Well, good morning. My name's Alex. If I don't know you, I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to just be with you this morning and deliver a word to you from God's Word, and really to kind of continue in this series called Essentials as we look at the Apostles' Creed. As I was thinking about the message today, I really this morning I was thinking, you know what? I'm really grateful to be where I'm at. I'm really grateful to serve on staff here at Lake Orion, but not just Lake Orion specifically, but overall at Woodside Bible Church. Just like Tiffany said, we are 14 locations, one church, 14 locations. And each location is different, each location is unique. Uh, they all serve a different uh, population, a different demographic all throughout Metro Detroit. We are the only one that worships in a castle, so we've got that going for us. Um, but just thinking about it, um, once a month, all of the Woodside staff get together, and we have a time of worship, a time of fellowship, and just an opportunity to kind of hear just vision and leadership from Pastor Chris Brooks. And that one day is a wonderful experience for most people. And it's an opportunity for us to be able to collaborate with other campuses, with other staff members who share an equal role that we might have. And it's just an opportunity to help each other in our strengths, to help each other in our weaknesses. And it serves as a way for us to really be on this mission together. And uh, as I was pondering and thinking about it, I, I was just filled with gratitude because it really is a unique thing to be able to do what we do. And every single campus has the same heart and the same vision. How do we help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ? And if you're new here, those three words, we talk about, them, we talk about it often, and you may see them posted up in different places. But those three words, belong, grow, and reach. Those kind of define and filter for us everything that we do. From our sermon series to our ministry programs that we have to... Um, how we preach, what songs we sing, all the things that come together with this, this expression of the church. We go through those three filters, belong, grow, and reach. And we're not that smart. We didn't invent that ourselves. I don't know if you guys know that. There's something in the Bible that we call the Great Commission. And it's the very end of Matthew, Matthew 28. And it's Jesus right before he ascends back to heaven. And he's with his disciples and he says, hey, I have to leave you so that another one can come behind me. This other one is the helper. He will be with you. He will bring about conviction of sin. He will bring about awareness and understanding of what it is to be my followers. And he says this final kind of edict and charge to them, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'll be with you to the very end of the day or days. And so this great commission, the disciples, the apostles that were with Jesus, they received this instruction to go out. They received this instruction to disciple, meaning to kind of help others grow and learn. They received this instruction to go throughout the entire world, belong, grow, and reach. So all we're simply doing is continuing on what the disciples started thousands of years ago with the early church. And we, as the church, have continued since then to be on this mission to help people belong, to help people grow, and to help people know who Christ is maybe for the very first time. So this belong, grow, reach, 
what we do here together on a Sunday morning, what all the other campuses right now all across Metro Detroit are doing is something that God sets out for us. It's not man-made. It's not something somebody thought up in a room by themselves. It's something that God has instructed us to do. And if God instructs us to do something, do you think we ought to do it? Yes, everybody should nod your head yes, whether you believe it or not. Right? As God kind of gives instruction and direction, we, we have to follow, we have to listen, we have to obey in that moment. And that's what the church is. It's a gathering of believers, and it's a gathering for a purpose. To glorify and to worship our Creator, to glorify and worship Jesus, to glorify and to sing praises and songs and offer prayers and to think about and to ponder the goodness of who He is. And as we do that as believers, it not only is pleasing, we believe, to God's ears, but it also gives us that renewal and that refreshment to continue on mission. Church is not a country club, folks. Church is not a place just to kind of check off the box. Church is not just something that's part of our, like our cultural expectation that, hey, oh yeah, on Sundays you go to church, it's totally fine. It's something so much more sacred and something so much weightier than that. I was listening to a podcast this week, and they were talking about the growth of the church right now in a very unlikely place. And maybe you've heard this before, but do you want to know the country where the church is actually growing uh, and outpacing the United States? Anybody want to guess what country that could be? I can't hear any of you, so it's fine. I'll give you the answer. (laughs) It's China, right? I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about China, but it's maybe not something like, oh, that's that's a utopian place to go and live, especially as a believer. But because of the hardship, because of the way that the government is set up, and because of all the things that are there in their history and their society and their cultural norms and cultural expectations, church is not something that's celebrated or encouraged. Or just looked over. It's actively persecuted. Believers are actively attacked. Believers are actively having to figure out how do we gather together still and open God's word and sing songs of praise to him. And the church, as far as new believers, its growth centered in one of the most persecuted and locked down countries in the known world. Why isn't it like that here in the United States? Do we need a little more persecution? I think a lot of us maybe feel like we're headed that way, right? It's okay to say yes. But what if, what if in God's design, what if the more difficult society and cultural issues that we are facing as believers, that we are facing as the church, what if God already knows that? And what if God's looking at you and me, looking at our church and saying, are you on mission? Because if you're not, you're either going to be forced into that mission or you're going to go take a sideline seat. I believe that our church is going to be on the field. And I believe our church is going to be moving the ball down the field. And it's not because of the staff, but it's because of you. 
the believers, the followers of Christ, as you're a part of this church. So what is the church, right? And this is kind of our big idea for today, is that God's church is where God's people grow in God's image, okay? The church is where God's people grow in God's image. And how do we do that? And where do we see in the scriptures that this is true? So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. And to catch you up again, as we're going through this series, this is kind of a different series for us as a church. Normally, we're going through a book of the Bible and we're going through kind of chapter and verse. But this one, we really wanted to kind of highlight this Apostles' Creed. And think about the Apostles' Creed is just kind of like a cheat sheet. All right? It's a cheat sheet for your faith. Uh, think about it like a tool belt or a toolbox. It's got a lot of useful things in there. It is not the word, but it's like a mirror reflecting the realities of the word. And today, the, the one statement that we're looking at is, I believe in the holy universal church in the communion of saints. Now, if you're like, wait a second, I haven't heard it say the Holy Universal Church. I think there's another word that's there, but maybe he's afraid to say it because I think I know what the other word is. In the original creed, it was written out the Holy Catholic Church. And I don't know when, but they began to kind of switch out the word Catholic Universal because in actuality, when you look at that word Catholic, when you transliterate it, it's a big fancy word, but when you look at it in the Greek, it literally means universal. Or another way to think about it is, let's do big C church. If you grew up in church, maybe you had this experience like I did where it was like, ooh, I'm going to big church today. I'm not going to kids. I'm not going to students. I'm going to big church, right? So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the big C, capital C, church. That is the universal church. That is the holy Catholic church, the holy universal church. Okay? Just want to make sure we're all clear on the same page. So let's look at Ephesians 4. Look with me here, starting at verse 1. This is Paul writing. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's pause right there. What Paul's doing, he's writing from prison. He's literally in a prison. And he's writing this, and he just got done talking about, hey, this is what it is for you as the individual believer. This is what it is for you to live your life and how you are meant to treat other people around you. And again, he kind of follows it up. He says, therefore, because of this reality and this truth, this is how you need to interact with people that you are around. Because the church in Ephesus, just like the church today, was dealing with factions, divisions, quarrels, groups of people inside the church. One group thought things should be this way. Another group thought things should be this way. One group thought the carpet should be red. The other one thought the carpet should be green. And it was just all this stuff going about. 
and it was conflict. And Paul's addressing the church and he's saying, hey, listen, we have to have unity. We have to have unity. We have to bear with one another. Married folks, you should know what it's like to bear with your spouse. And if you, somebody said amen. Okay. (laughs) All right. But like bearing with people is a hard thing, right? It could be a hard thing. And the reason why is because we're all sinful people. We are going to do things that are not right. We're going to do things that annoy our spouse. We're going to do things that annoy our parents. We're going to do things that annoy our kids. We're going to do things that annoy our coworkers and our neighbors and all the above. Because we're sinful people. And what Paul's doing is he's urging the church, hey, bear with one another in love and be eager to maintain the unity in the spirit. Is unity a big deal? Yeah, unity is a huge deal. Because whenever a place is divided or people are divided or a relationship is divided, there's no way to kind of move forward. There's no way to kind of keep the mission going forward. It'll be disjointed. Think about it in your workplace. If, you're, if your uh, work group is not all on the same trajectory, if you're not all on the same page about what we need to do to hit our goals or what we need to do to accomplish this target that we had, a lot of frustration comes out. A lot of things come out. And so what we have to understand is that from Scripture, God is saying, hey, I want you to bear with one another in love. And I want you to be unified because of the Spirit. Right? And that's kind of the first point is that God's church is where he unites his body. And when I say his body, I'm not talking about God's literal body. I'm talking about you, the believer. We're going to talk about that here in just a few more minutes. But as believers, we are part of a larger family. We're part of that capital C church. And we are meant to operate in such a way with love with one another and be eager to maintain unity because of the Spirit. So let's keep going and take a look at it. Jump down with me down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Another thing that God does with his church and the way that we grow in his image is that he builds us up. What Paul's highlighting here is he's highlighting unique gifts and unique spiritual gifts that certain individuals would have in the context of the local church. Now, I don't know how much research or your own study that you've done on the spiritual gifts, but there's a lot of things out there and there's a lot of ways to kind of understand what spiritual gifts are meant for. Pastor Jim last week really walked us through what it is to live by the Spirit, what it is to have spiritual gifts, and what the purpose of those spiritual gifts are. Not only are they meant to glorify God, not only are they meant to worship God, but they're also meant to build up one another. So if you're an evangelist, if you're a shepherd, if you're a teacher, all of it is meant to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. I've been in ministry about 15 years. In this verse, Ephesians 4, uh, 4.12, is one of those verses 
that I've thought about and I use as kind of a litmus test for myself to say the work that I'm doing, am I equipping the body of Christ? Am I equipping the believers that are part of that church? And it can be a tough thing to kind of think through because how do you equip everybody? How do you uh, provide what everybody thinks that they need? How do you uh, forecast out, hey, I see where you're at right here in your maturity, but hey, let's bring you down the road down this way to be even more mature, but how do I get to that point? And so if you're here just visiting with us today, I'm going to give you kind of a, a free advice, right? We know that people come in and out. Some people are just kind of like, hey, we're new to the area. We're trying to just check out churches and see what churches are like. And see if we kind of have a fit, kind of have a vibe. I mean, you did come to a castle, so obviously you think we're something kind of interesting, right? But when you come into our church building, you come into the lobby, which we have the best lobby in all of Woodside, I can say that, right? But you come in the lobby, and what do you hear? You hear music, you hear kids screaming in laughter and joy, not in terror or agony. <laughs> but you just hear life. And you hear people, and you hear, like, laughter, and you hear this sense of, like, man... All right, this seems kind of like a cool place. You come in here and you hear the music and you hear the band and you hear just direction of worship. You hear a guy get up and speak or sit down and speak. Pastor Jim's still dealing with his leg. Um, shout out to you. Um, he's watching right now. But it's one of those things where when you go to a church, don't only look for the preferences that you have. You don't like the, you don't like the speaker. You don't like the music. You don't like how cold it is in the room. I see y'all with your parkas still on. Rather than just evaluating everything by your preference, what if you evaluated it by something a little deeper? Is this a place where I am going to be equipped? Is this a place where I am going to be built up? Do they have opportunities for that for me? Can I go and can I learn more about who Jesus is? Can I go and be a part of a smaller group of individuals who can encourage me and hold me accountable and pray for me and be there for me? Is this a place where my kids can come and where my kids are going to hear gospel truths in their time together? Is this a place where my teenagers can come where they are going to hear gospel truths in their time together? So I just want to ask you, like, if you are a visitor with us or if you're watching us online, Think through that lens. Is this a place, this church or any other church that you visit, is this a place where I can go and be equipped? Or is this just a place where I come, I get a little bumper sticker, like have a great life, it's gonna, you're going to conquer the world, you have all the freedom, like go and have a great week. Because of Jesus, those are truths. But we have a deeper and a weightier mission to equip you, to give you the tools and the resources necessary in your walk with Jesus because we, let's say the church staff, we're not with you in your workplace. We're not with you in your home. We're not with you in your neighborhood. We're not with you in your mind as you battle through whatever it is that you're dealing with. But God is. And God is wanting for you to turn to him. And God is wanting for you to be in a place to listen and to hear from him. And God is wanting you to go to his word and to say, Father, how do I deal with this? 
How do I deal with this coworker? How do I, how do I parent my child? How do I do these different things? And by God's grace, when you come here, you'll be equipped in how to do that. You'll be shown where you can go. You'll be shown how to study God's word. You'll be shown this is what community and being together actually looks like. Now, we've talked a lot about the body of believers. We've talked a lot about God's people and builds up his body. Where do we get all that from, right? If you've got your Bible, go ahead, keep your finger there in Ephesians 4, but flip over with me to 1 Corinthians 12. And 1 Corinthians, written by Paul, writing to another church now in the city of Corinth. And the city and this church in Corinth has got a lot of issues too that he's having to address. Isn't it interesting that the earliest church and the earliest churches, they all had issues? If you look at us and you say, you guys got issues, we know. It's in the Bible. Because every single church is going to have its issue. The question is, how do you deal with those issues? It's okay if you're weak. What's not okay is that if you're weak and you just sit there and say, oh, look at me, I'm so weak. Let me make up some justifications for why we are changing theology or why we're choosing not to do this, that, or the other. Instead, when you find, your pla- when you find yourself in that place of, hey, we're kind of weak in this area, or hey, you know what? We maybe kind of missed the mark on this. Let's, let's repent. Let's confess that. Let's repent of that. And let's seek to progress forward and find what it is to be in line with what God's word says. So anyway, so Paul's writing to this church and he's saying, hey guys, there's a lot of sin in your church that has to be dealt with. Hey, there's a lot of ways that you guys are pitting yourselves against one another. Those of you who used to be Jews, you're judging all of those who uh, are Greeks. And you know what? There's so much division here. And he goes into this thing and he begins to kind of illustrate for us where we get our terminology of like his body in the body of believers. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting down at verse 12. There's a lot of 12s today. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Paul goes on in the rest of this chapter, and he kind of is illustrating for us and for the church in Corinth, hey, not everybody can be a foot. Not everybody can be a hand. Not everybody can be a mouthpiece or an ear, right? He even talks about, hey, there are unmentionable parts of the body. But all of those pieces together, all those parts of the body are necessary because then you have that complete body. So this is where we get this idea that we are his body, that believers are God's people and we are part of his body. And all of you, play a unique role and play a unique part in God's body. All of you play a unique part here in this church. Some of you are gifted in being able to run a preschool room with 20 children in it. Some of you are not. Some of you are gifted to be able to stand at a door and smile 
Some of you are not. Some of you are gifted in being able to extend mercy and compassion to anyone and everyone you meet. And some of you are not. And just because you may not have a particular gifting or a particular, um, what, spiritual gift, doesn't exclude you and doesn't mean that you're any less than the person next to you. What it means is, is that you have a spiritual gift, and whether you understand it or know it or not, it is meant to be here in this place to build up everyone else in this room. So church, we got to ask that question. Are we exercising? Are we using the gifts? Are we using the things that God has given us? If you're a super hospitable person and you love smiling and you just love every single person that you meet, why are you sitting in the back corner of the room? Don't turn and look in the back corner of the room to see who's there. I actually can't see you. But like, why are you doing that? Why are you withholding this gift that God has given you for the sake of other people? Because maybe someone walking in today needed to see a smiling face and to have someone simply say, good morning. I'm glad that you're here. You guys, are you guys seeing this? Are you guys following on this? Like you, because of your faith in Christ, because of Jesus, because of you being a part of him, he has given you a gift. And it's not just for yourself, but it's for other people. Because the other reality is that everyone here in this room and everyone that's here on Sundays, and the reality is not everybody here is a believer. That not everybody believes in Jesus. Not everybody understands who he is and what it was that he did on the cross for them. Not everybody understands or believes that he rose again from the, from the dead. But for some reason, they're here. And that's you. I'm so thankful that you're here. And for all of us who are believers, our gifts are meant to, to be used on the playing field for those who don't yet believe. So that through your warm welcome, through your ability to herd cats or preschoolers through your spiritual gift that God might use you to bring that person closer to himself. That's what it is to be on mission. That's what it is to be trying to move the ball down the field. We want to help people belong to Christ. We want to help people grow in Christ. And we want to reach the world for Christ. And that's not just for the paid staff members to do. That's for all of you. So the question is, do you understand, do you know what it is that God has equipped you with and what your role is in the body of the church? Right now we have our uh, Next Steps class going on. Next Steps, not only do you get to understand more of the gospel and, and understand a little bit more about who Woodside is, but we also walk you through a spiritual gift assessment to help you understand what is it naturally about you that you have. And they're going through that right now in the class. And then what they're going to be shown is, hey, with this gifting, here are the ways that you can use your giftings in the context of our local church. Not for yourself. Not so that you can feel good about yourself, but so that other people might be built up and potentially that other people might come to faith because of the way that you serve them 
here in this church. And say the last thing that we see when we consider the church is that God grows his body. Not only, not only is it a place where we're united, not only is it a place where we are built up, but it's also a place where he grows you. Flip with me back to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this. Starting down in 14. Uh, sorry, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of the body into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So not only do you come here to be equipped, not only do you come here to be united, but we come here and the church is in, in existence so that you can grow, so that you can mature. In another one of Paul's letters, he talks to the church and he's like, hey, y'all, gotta, y'all, y'all have to go backwards and have that spiritual milk because you're not ready for the spiritual meat, which is like 20-ounce ribeye. You're not ready for that. You've got to go back and you have to have baby's milk. Because that's where you're at. And another part in, I believe it's in the book of James, it's talking about the need to mature, the need to grow. And the way that you do that is by hearing the word of God and then going and doing the word of God. So ask yourself that question, church. Are you growing? Do you see changes in your life, in your walk with Jesus, because of your intentional pursuit of him. Do you see those changes? You know, you think about people go to the gym, and sometimes what happens is after about six to nine months, people just, they lose the motivation of going to a gym. Why? Because they don't see progress. I don't know all the science, and some of y'all maybe know this, but like it takes the body a while to get itself ready to a place where then it can actually begin to change, right? Diet programs that people go on. Why do people fail diet programs or quit diet programs? Because they don't see the change, and they lose that motivation. They're like, well, peace out. I'm done. But in order to Uh, affect change and to sustain that change and to sustain that growth, it may require that you begin to kind of undo habits and things in your life that prohibit you from actually being able to grow further and to mature more. And that's just talking about diet and, and health. Now take that and put that on your walk with Jesus. What are you doing? 
What are you doing to, to intentionally move from point A to point B? Are you in God's word? Are you in a community of other believers who can challenge you and support you and love on you and say, hey, what is it that you're learning right now? Are you actively a part of a church where you come on a Sunday and you're with God's people? Are you, are you singing praises and worship songs to him, not just for the 22 minutes that we schedule in a service on a Sunday morning? Are you praying? Are you talking to him? Not just before a meal. Are you talking to him on your way into work? Are you talking to him while you're at work? Are you talking to him when you're at home and everybody else is asleep? What is it? What plan is it that you have to grow? And I'll tell you this, you will not grow in isolation. Hey, you know what, church, or you know what, pastor, I appreciate you, but you know what? I'm a spiritual person, man, and God talks to me like almost every night. And uh, yeah, I don't go to church because whatever reason they throw out there, I'm good though. I'm spiritual and like, yeah, I learn new things about God. Nowhere in God's word do we see Go be a Lone Ranger Christian. Nowhere do we see you are going to be sent off by yourself and you are going to live in isolation and you are going to be the only one there. But it's okay because God's got you. Now, sometimes maybe that happens if you're a missionary and you're called in the mission field and you go to a place where there is no one. But every good and quality sending organization that sends missionaries all around the world, every single one of them, they have something called member care. Where there are people whose job solely is to call those missionaries on a weekly basis and say, how's your walk with the Lord going? How are you doing? How can we pray for you? What can we celebrate together? What can we work on together? What can we, how, how do we continue to work on your health? spiritually, and physically, and mentally, and emotionally, so that you can continue to be on that playing field. So church, folks here in the room, even if you're joining us online, don't be in isolation. You can be in isolation even sitting here in the room, or sitting on your couch watching on TV. Don't be in isolation. Reach out and say hi to someone. Join a life group. Come out on May 6th and be part of that serve day. It's an easy way for you to get to know other people here in the church. Sign up for next steps. Begin to be known in this body and in this community because God sees you and he loves you and he's given you a gift. And it's not just for you, but it's because he wants to work through you for the sake of other people. So again, when we think about the Apostles' Creed and we say that phrase, I believe in the holy universal church, in the communion of saints. The church is not perfect. It was never meant to be perfect and never will be perfect until Jesus comes back and takes the church up to heaven. So while we're here, while you're here, and in this pursuit of Jesus, be a part of this church. 
if you're visiting from out of town or you're still trying to check things out, be a part of a church, of a body of believers so that you can belong, so that you can grow, and so that you can reach the world for Christ. I'm going to pray. band's going to come out. We're going to continue in worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your church. God, she has a storied history over the centuries. But God, thank you that your grace is sufficient. And Father, I pray for our church. I pray for Woodside Bible Church. That we would not just be an entertainment venue, that we would not just be a country club, that we would not just be a thing that's simple and easy. But Father, that we would be a team, that we would be your body, and that together we move your mission forward in this world. God, I thank you for everyone here, and I thank you that they're here today and they're watching us online today because they recognize that you are worthy to be praised. So Father, help us. Help us to grow in you. Help us to know where we belong with you. And Father, help us to reach this world, to reach our city, to reach our state. Or God, maybe simply just to reach our household. For your sake. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.